0: Podcast
1: one. Between you and I, I reckon feet are one of our least attractive body parts. Unbelievably useful, but so ugly. (laughs) A belief not shared by today's guest, podiatrist Rachel Ferguson, whose love of those toad monstrosities has led to the creation of a multi million dollar foot care brand called Sinks Body. She joins us today to share exactly how she's done it. With its feet planted firmly on the ground, it's episode 530 of the 11-year-old... Award-winning small business big marketing
2: podcast. I say, welcome Small Business Marketing Show, successful small business on share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead now. Here's your host Mr. Timbo
1: Wee. and welcome back to your weekly dose of soulful marketing. <laughs> Little foot joke there. Thank you very much. I'm your host Timbo Reed, you, infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner, and you are ready, I hope you're ready, to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire that it absolutely deserves to be. Big show today. Podiatrist and award-winning product creator Rachel Ferguson shares how her simple in idea is growing 200% year-on-year and generating multi-million dollars in annual revenue. This week's Monster Prize draw winner has seen a huge increase in sales thanks to a simple idea applied from a past episode. And I gotta say, I do love how he's turned a confronting purchase into something almost fun. Not quite fun, but almost fun. A little bit more on that later. Plus, I let you in on an upcoming guest who is the third-generation owner of a global skincare brand. Hint, E-B are its initials. As per usual, team, there's marketing G-O-L-D. Dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in.
2: Hi, Kimbo. It is Michelle from Cruise Rail Travel. I was listening to your podcast about the budget smugglers, and I have to say that great product and I'd have to disagree with you I, as a mum bought some budgie struggles for my son, who buys a pair every year because he's always getting bigger I then noticed um, the NRL stuff for dad so he got one and because there were budgie struggles for women, I also bought one for myself because it's is Australia owned and made. Like that is post-COVID is a family policy of ours now. If we can, we will support Australia made. When it comes to service, outstanding. Like small business do it so good. And what was even better was the bag was biodegradable. So well done, like I applaud this company. That's all I have to say. Have a great day.
1: Bye. Couldn't agree more with you, Michelle. Thank you so much for leaving that message. Clearly a very busy uh, business owner on the go, leaving me a message from your car. But, gee, I appreciate that. And, listen, I stand corrected on any criticism I send Budgie Smuggler's way. I actually think they're an awesome brand. I did before the interview. I did say in that interview, um, Adam could inject more personality into the brand, but actually on reflection, it's a brand with a very big personality. And by the way, a big thank you to owner Adam Linforth, aka Linny, who sent myself and producer Dave a pair of budgie smugglers following the interview. Uh, Let me know if you'd like a signed photo of Dave and I in the budgie smugglers. I think we'll put a price of $100 on that. We give you $100 for actually sending your photo of us in budgie smugglers. Not pretty. Hey, if you've got something to share with me, Give the Small Business Big Marketing Hotline a buzz, just like Michelle did on 0480 015 150. You've got up to five minutes to regale me with a marketing idea or maybe some constructive criticism. 0480 015 150. Righto, let's meet Rachel Ferguson, podiatrist, award-winning entrepreneur, and founder of the Australian foot care company Synx Body, S-Y-N-X, Body. Now, as someone who's passionate about foot health, those ugly old feet, Rachel and a colleague came up with an idea for designing and patenting, patenting, it's not easy to say that word, patenting, you know what I mean, their own insoles to fit into a wider range of shoes than the others on the market. That's sort of interesting, I guess. If you're into defeat. but this is where it gets exciting. Following an appearance on the TV show Shark Tank in 2015 and receiving investment from longtime friend of this podcast, Andrew Banks, Rachel's little idea took off <laughs> like a frog in a sock. Another foot joke. And she now has over 20 foot related products available in Chemist Warehouse and other retail outlets nationally. She's experiencing 200% growth year on year and Sink's body is already a multi-million dollar business. So I started off by asking Rachel the obvious question, what does she love about
0: feet? The thing that I love about feet is people don't often think how important they are until something goes wrong. You know, they are so intricate. They're made up of 26 bones in each foot and over 100 ligaments and structures. And if you think of how incredible that part of your body is and how far they get us in life, they're pretty important. That's, I think, what I love the most about them. Yeah, I love them.
1: Is it true that feet have the most bones of any part of your body?
0: Yeah, they do. They absolutely do. And and they shock, absorb, and take weight more than any other part of the body too, which is incredible.
1: Well, hence uh, coming up with sink soul in order to look after our wonderful feet. Where'd the idea for sinks, sink it's hard to say, sink come from?
0: Well, actually myself and my business partner, Marie Lewis, way back in two thousand eleven, were quite frustrated with a lot of the shoes, a lot of the insoles in the market, people couldn't fit them into trendy shoes. So our patients were coming in and we're wanting them to wear insoles and we're looking at their shoes and just a lot of the products on the market just didn't fit. So we wanted to design our own insole that we would want our patients to wear. And that's how it all started.
1: I love these where great ideas come from personal problems that you haven't been able to find an elegant solution for. Yeah. What fascinates me about this though is that you're you're a trained podiatrist. You are a, a medical person. You are a service provider, I'm guessing tell me if I'm wrong... Entrepreneurship isn't isn't in your blood, or maybe there's not small business ownership in your blood. Yeah. So how do you kind of make that transition from now, now you are a product manufacturer and still a podiatrist?
0: Absolutely. Um, look, I do I've I've thought about this a lot. I do think influences in your life have a big part of who you are. My dad was an entrepreneur. He instilled a lot of things in me early in life about you know having your own business and making something for yourself and designing things yourself. So I think I already had that mentality, so for me, starting that first business um, was quite quite an easy decision, and then the second business to make something, I thought that was just as exciting because, you know, why not? Why not jump in and learn on your feet?
1: When you had the idea of coming up with Sinks Souls. Did the idea that, oh, well, it's going to be a distraction to building my podiatry practice, which I think you have two clinics, don't you? Yeah,
0: I've got one clinic, um, but yeah, it it was definitely a factor. I considered it um, because I just started the clinic. So I literally started two businesses in the space of 12 months, which looking back was a little risky. And yeah, I did did consider it being risky, but I also thought that why not now, it's either now or never, just dive right in.
1: Fair enough. You have (laughs) the idea for, you know, a better... Insert... Uh, if, tell me if I'm getting my language right here. Uh, it's all very, well. many of us have ideas. Ideas are cheap. Um, where did you find the energy, the resource, the knowledge uh, to, to actually get it to market?
0: Absolutely. Well, myself and Marie, um, we were very focused and we just sat down for hours and hours on the end, designed, drew, came up with different ideas. We looked at patients, we trialed different um, prototypes in their shoes to actually figure out exactly what arch height we wanted, what heel size we needed, about 12 months the whole process took for us to actually get the final end product and we researched everywhere we traveled to China and we tried to find a lot of manufacturers in Australia but they just didn't have the capabilities so we traveled we researched um, and it took about 12 months to get the final prototype ready.
1: Why hadn't it been done before? Because as someone who has bought insoles, inserts before, which I'm sure cost me, I've had them for a while now, but I'm sure they cost me about six or 700 bucks and you get one pair and they weren't guaranteed to fit in all my shoes. Because I I wear a lot of fashionable uh, shoes, uh, Rachel. I don't really like to talk about it. but um, (laughs) (laughs) That's good, I like I'm I'm joking. (laughs) Um, Why do you think the idea hadn't been done before?
0: I'm much an advocate for custom-made orthotics too. As a podiatrist, there's absolutely a need for them Um, and I use them a lot in my own clinic. But what we found was missing in the market was more of a professional device in a retail setting. So when you walked into a pharmacy, all the insoles on there, they weren't suitable um, to actually help with things like plantar fasciitis and Achilles tendonitis and they were very generic, like off of a shelf. They weren't structured from a podiatry mindset that we had.
1: As a punter... I would have thought, I still think, until I know you and what you're up to, that Dr. Scholl, pretty good brand.
0: (laughs) It's like Dr. Scholl, he's a doctor. I know. I know, absolutely. Well, look, you know, people often ask us, it was a big risk taking on the big guns, but we do have a significant point of difference. And I think that's what good products always stand out in the end. Um, It's about looking at your competitor and seeing the product and seeing how you can innovate and be different. And that's why we came along as, as a little bit of a different insole. And it took us a long while to actually crack into the market
1: you and your partner, Marie, yes. your, your business partner, Marie, um, you, you do all these drawings and you're having fun and going, oh, that'd be perfect. That's what we need. But at some point, uh, you have to put your foot down, <laughs> a little pun there if it's a feet pun, um, and go, oh, are we going to do this? We are going to do this. Can you remember that point? What was the kind of... Clincher? I
0: can. We actually went to Melbourne to the shoe show. Um, And we were looking at all these great ideas because funny enough, we didn't want to do insoles to start with. We wanted to do shoes. Um, So we started researching shoes and then we thought, we'll just do insoles first and then we'll branch out into shoes. And, you know, nine years later, I'm still in insoles and foot care. So it just shows you how massive that whole area is really. Um, But I remember after that trip, we were like, yes, let's do it. And we went and registered the business name. We invested our money and we just went from there.
1: You're happy with the name?
0: Well, we've just changed recently. So Sync Soul was our name all along and you can see now we're Sync's Body. Um, the reason we changed the name was when I went through a lot of process of innovation within the business over the last three years, we'd evolved so much that Sync Soul didn't suit our company anymore. So we changed the brand to Sync's Body because we're all about um, supporting the whole body from the ground up and getting people moving and active and doing the things that they love.
1: Because you've actually introduced a whole lot of other products, Sync's Soul, Sync's Jelly, Sync's Plus, Sync's Lace. Yeah. You've even got some <laughs> hand sanitizers on there. I'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> yeah. There is an yeah. area of product creation that I just don't understand. And when I think about it, it scares me. And that is patents and trademarks. I imagine it's a minefield. It uh, is a minefield. <laughs> where do you start without giving us the four-hour lesson on it? Because I'm sure you probably could. What do you do?
0: Yeah, it's, it's really scary. Um, Look, the way I look at it, I found myself a really good international property IP attorney. And that was key because without proper advice, you can make a lot of mistakes early on in the piece and sort of file the wrong applications and not really consider what your end goal is. So for us, it was quite easy because we didn't just want to be an Australian brand. We wanted to be a global brand. So for that decision, it was quite easy that we needed not just an Australian patent, we needed an international patent we needed international trademarks, we needed design registrations. So it was a big risky decision, but it's one of those decisions that if you don't make that decision early on, it's very hard to backpedal and your 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 technology, your ideas can be out into the big world and you have no protection.
1: What'd you spend on that kind of part of the business, dare I ask. She's oh, a big
0: breath. It's probably. Yeah, it is a big breath. Um, look, I would say at least $100,000, probably more. And it's ongoing. It's ongoing because we have registrations that pop up all the time. And as we've evolved, we've let certain things go that weren't as important. And obviously we've innovated and, and developed new brands and new trademarks. So then we've had to spend even more. So we, we lose money on some, we, we invest more in others, but looking, it's a lot. It's
1: a lot of dough to spend up front. Yes. Do you mind if I ask how much you allocated when you and Marie had the idea? I mean a hundred grand alone on on trademarks and patents, let alone manufacturing, packaging, design, your time when you you, you can't be consulting and, producing manufacturing
0: no that's exactly right I think what we did in the beginning was a lot of trademarks and patents you you apply to register them so it's not all due straight away so we often did a lot of the first applications not really spreading out how expensive that was going to get over the next three to five years so it definitely wasn't something that we researched as far as how much we were going to spend over the three to five years so yeah definitely worth doing and planning that out um, because that was a mistake that we made for sure.
1: No doubt uh, those early years and early days were pretty exciting. Now, I know you went on Shark Tank, but pre-sh- and I want to talk about that, but pre-Shark Tank, uh, you were two years old when you went on Shark Tank. You had $81,000 in sales. Um, obviously, at that point, despite spending a whole lot of dough on it, it was still a bit of a side hustle, was it, because you're sort yeah. of busy in clinic?
0: Yes, 100%. You know, on reflection, that, that is one of my biggest learnings in business, that you cannot be completely divided between two startups and do them well and be successful quickly. You know, I learned that the hard way. So, we were both very much in our clinics and we were raising young children and we were traveling and trying to run, get this business off the ground. And it just, it just wasn't working. It was a struggle. We worked so hard during those early years, definitely.
1: Tell us about the lowest moment in that time.
0: The lowest moment for me would have been 2017. So when I think back to that year, so I'd work, I was working myself so hard. I was, wasn't winning in any area of my life. You know, my clinic, I was really flat out busy, but my energy and my time was always spent on building the other business, which wasn't paying us a wage, right? So like everyone, you know, you're not going to open a business and all of a sudden start earning money. And even after Shark Tank, we still weren't earning a wage. So I had to earn my money through my clinic. So I was almost robbing Peter to pay Paul, you know, which is what a lot of entrepreneurs do. Um, And, you know, looking back, it's not great for both businesses. So I sort of ended up in this situation where for both of us, it wasn't working. You know, our families weren't happy. We we didn't have time with our kids. Like it was just not working. So I had to make a really difficult decision. Um, My business partner exited the business to have her third baby and she was focusing on her family. Um, And I made the decision to, walk away from my clinic and invest a hundred percent of my time into Sink Soul, Sink's body. Wow. And that was a big risky decision. But fortunately I had investors, as you know, Andrew Banks and, and a few other, and I've got another investor when my partner exited the business. So I really thought hard over those few months. And I, and it's interesting because when I say to people, you know, when you go through a low moment, people always say like, what did you do to get out of it? And I don't know about you, but for me, it was very much about looking at successful people and studying like how they became successful. And I noticed a real key pattern and the key pattern was all about looking after yourself. Like how can you, you know, develop this amazing company and have these great ideas if you're worn out, you're tired and you're not feeling positive about things. So I got myself a business coach. I started meditating every morning, reading every single book I could find on successful people. I started eating better. You know, I had a business, like a full plan of all my goals and how I was going to achieve them. And that didn't happen overnight, you know. So it took about three months for me to be doing that every single day to get a clear plan on where I wanted to go.
1: Did you actually close your podiatry clinic in order to focus on Sync's body?
0: No, Putting I um, I got podiatrists in, yeah, and I what I found was I knew I had to take a hit to actually get ahead on the other side. I, so, I
1: hear this so often, and it makes, it you know, in, even on paper, in theory, it, it makes perfect sense, but so many of us, and I'm guilty of this, is, you know, you've got so many balls in the air, they're all around the same sort of space, like your sink's body has a direct relationship to being a podiatrist, I get all that, but... The minute you take your foot off the pedal of all those other distractions and focus on the one thing, this is where the magic happens. And I just, gosh, there's a learning there. There's a book there. It'd be a one-page one book. It'd be like, yeah. stop <laughs> what you're doing and focus <laughs> on my thing. The end.
0: It is honestly the biggest learning of my entrepreneurial career, I would say, is just too many eggs in, too many baskets. You gotta just focus.
1: Your time on Shark Tank—I know it was a, a few years ago. In fact, that show—that no, show is no longer. But boy, you guys were impressive. You really—I <laughs> mean, that's not easy. A to walk out in front of those guys, lights, it's hot, it's bright, it's national TV. It's not live, uh, but you really nailed your pitch. I don't think that happened. I'm watching it going, that just didn't happen. Did you get coaches? What, how did you do that?
0: <laughs> no. Do you know how we did that? It was interesting. Um, so Marie saw Shark Tank advertised on the TV um, and she said to me, oh, my God, I've seen this, this thing. And we'd been watching Shark Tank in the US um, before. So we knew what it was about. And she said, let's do it. You know, this is our chance. So for three months before – we got together every single night and we watched the reruns of all the episodes. We wrote down every question. We quizzed each other. We got other people to quiz us. And we only found out who the sharks were five days before we went, we flew out to Sydney. So we had five days to research all five, four of them, five of them. Yeah, five of them.
1: Andrew Banks accounts for two.
0: <laughs> the three males and two ladies. Yeah. <laughs> but... um we researched them all. And the interesting thing was like, I loved Andrew straight away. I was like, yep. Okay. He's great. But I actually wanted, wanted Naomi. And that was at my initial thoughts like Naomi, she's great. And and that was my focus. So when I went on there.
1: Keep the sisterhood together.
0: Yeah. It was almost just like, you know, these women, (laughs) they're powerful. Like that's what we want. Um, and you know, we were out pretty quickly with the women as you would have seen. Um, and we had the three options for the males and, as you said, it was hot. I cannot describe how hot and sweaty that was. Like it was so hot and sweaty and the lights are so bright. It's almost surreal.
1: Well, you you nailed it. And in fact, in the end, you got two offers, Andrew's three. three. Did, yeah, three. Baxter kind of came in with a very cheeky offer. Typical Baxter. I've got bones to pick with him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then so Andrew comes along. Now, Andrew Banks, for those who, who don't know, a past guest of the show, Andrew made a lot of dough from Morgan and Banks uh, recruitment many years ago. He's now uh, a venture capitalist investor. He's listening to the show and probably trying to correct what I'm saying. Um, but uh, <laughs> awesome guy and clearly been very good, to you, on the premise that he may not be listening, what value has Andrew Banks bought to your business?
0: <laughs> wow. Do you know, it's interesting because I've had a relationship with him now for six years, which is unbelievable. And especially in this world, a lot of people don't realise that you know investors, especially someone like Andrew, would be so connected to his investments. So I feel very fortunate that he has, we've got such a strong relationship.
1: Very hands-on.
0: Very hands-on. So if I have any questions or any thoughts, he's a great sounding board for me. Um, he's so down to earth. He's very calm and rational and he gives very succinct um, advice, but it's his way that he words things. So I really rely on him for a lot of those kind of tips. And particularly when I'm going through a lot of my risk analysis, when I'm looking at, you know, developing new projects, when I've got all these ideas, I'll always take stuff to him and Tricia. He's, he's, he's PA because she's amazing. Um, so I'm also very close to her and I just value their input. They're just, you know, their wisdom, their thought processes, and it's very much we you know, it's not just you, it's a, we're, it's a team effort.
1: So I love that. You know, the big learning here for anyone listening who doesn't have a mentor, you don't have to have a, a necessarily an investor. But, you know, as business owners and particularly small business owners, micro business owners, we can't do it all ourselves. And it's great that you're reading books. It's great, you know, listening to podcasts. It's great that we go to, we used to go to events and learn. But the idea of just having someone to bounce ideas off, to give you a reality check, to tell you to pull your head in, to tell you that, you know, you could be doing more than you are, whatever it is. It's very valuable, isn't it? It's so um, valuable.
0: Yeah. You've got to be willing to listen. Yeah, I 100%. I mean, look, he had an opportunity um, to exit around the time that my business partner left, but he was, no, like, I've been in it with you this long. I'm staying in it for the long haul. It's great.
1: And he loves wearing the inserts. I, I spoke to him yeah, yesterday. he does. And he isn't. just loves it. Yeah, he gets around. He, even when he's got no shoes on, he just sticky tapes them to his feet. He loves them that, that much. He
0: loves it. He loves all the gel products too. And in fact, even even his wife, Andrea, um, she's, she's lovely. She's given me some tips of different products and helped us with some development. So that's been great too.
1: Oh, please. Let's get back to getting this to market. Um, again, your experience getting product and packaging manufactured in China of all places. Now, again, not something you, you know, you're well-versed in. Um, I have interviewed people previously where they've literally, one guy, Rami Yickmore, hopped on a plane, he was a restaurateur, he hopped on a plane and went to the, What's that big fair they have? I can't Canton remember the fair. name of it, but it's Canton Fair. Yeah, like he's gone. Just you know, I hear horrific stories. Was yours smooth sailing?
0: No, it's it's definitely not been smooth sailing. But I have learnt so much about travelling because it's been like nine years now. I've been going to China. So in the early years, you know, doing business over there was incredibly tough for women. Um, you know, we had we had to have a male boss in a lot of situations. Um, you know that we said our male boss. We're referring back to him because you just get respected and that was difficult but we I guess like anything you learn as you go so we traveled I think I've been to China probably I don't know over 20 times over that over that space Um, so I've learned I've, I've really learned the culture I've learned how to interact with the people you know a lot of their business mindset is so different to ours and once you acknowledge and do business with them on their level things just change so I've got some great relationships over there now
1: what's the big difference
0: communication so it's understanding how they operate they're very calm they don't like confrontation and it's also about respecting you know they love to have a break during the middle of the day for like three hours and have a lovely lunch and we're just not nice. built like that right so that was a struggle for me initially because i would be like i need to get my work done you know i, I like <laughs> yeah. i like to work but you know i've learned a lot and i have very very fond fond and lovely friends and relationships in china
1: so you've got all your patents, your trademarks, you've got your product design. And we're talking right now, this is just SinkSol, putting aside all the other products that you've introduced. Um, you've got your packaging done. How'd you get your first sale?
0: First sale, that's an interesting one. Um, we sold to podiatrists first. We traveled around the country supplying podiatrists, chiropractors, um, physios. And that was, that was our first big mistake in our business because it's such a niche area. So, there's not enough people that we're marketing to. So, we were working so hard and not reaching enough people. So, that's when we went on Shark Tank and developed more of a retail orthotic for the customers. And it was actually a pharmacy chain, was a friend of my business partner, Marie's Optimal Pharmacy. So, they were our first customer for the retail products Um, and they were really keen to get it in. So, that was great. So, we already had um, a customer, like a huge customer, a huge chain before we went on Shark Tank. But the problem was we weren't getting sell-through. We knew it was a great product. We're getting it into store and then people aren't rebuying it. So we had to figure out why. And I tell you what, it's, it's a real struggle. But what I came to realise in 2017 when I, when I worked on myself and I really just sat back and went, why is this not working? We know our product works. We, we've got amazing feedback from people who use it. Why is it not moving? And I realised that, as you mentioned before, one of our biggest competitors, Shoal, they have a lot of products and they take up a lot of space. And then there's our small product on the shelf, which was in very dark packaging because we were all about black and, you know, just looking, you know, really cool. But from a marketing point of view, that was not working. And we were too Too close to it, too cool for school. And it just was not working in a retail setting. And instead of actually realizing and going, hang on a minute, we need to shake this up, we just kept thinking, no, it's fine. It's just, but, you know, I realized, no, it wasn't fine. We were lost. We were hidden amongst all of our competitors, even though we were more superior, a better product they just couldn't see us. So what'd you do? So that's when I, 2017, my big break, I researched, I changed, I came up with my plan. And what I decided to do was I wanted a range of products. So I wanted like a range of every kind of, when when patients come into my clinic and they need products and I want to send them to the pharmacy to go get it, what do I want them to have? And I created every single product That I knew that would work. I tested it. I tried it on all my patients, and I came up with things for bunions and blisters and corns, and you know, overlapping toes and Taylor's bunions, which are on the little toe. So every intricate foot problem, plantar fasciitis, we came up with compression sleeves. We developed those, and we did no-tie shoelaces. You know, for people to just slip their shoes on easily. Uh, and we revamped that whole range of packaging and changed everything. So it was bright and fun and easy to see. To, to actually do all this, though, I had to go to my investors and say, right, this is my plan. I want to borrow X amount of dollars to bring this, um, to get this plan going. And they said, yes, let's do it. So they gave me the money. I told them I pay them back within six months. Uh, And we had obviously a loan set up and that was all fine. I paid them back within about three months because we, we, yeah, and we've been uh, a successful cash flow positive business since then.
1: What a great story. So just let me get that, uh, a six months just seems like an incredibly short period of time to pay back what must have been a significant amount of money that they lent you because what you've done is gone from sink sole, just inserts, one product, different sizes, to... So many different products, as sort of these, like you said, they're not band aids, but like a whole lot of sort of, uh, that's an incredible. How many, how many SKUs did you, w- did you have at with Sinksol that you then went to with this whole range?
0: Yeah. So we had two so, and now we're over 20
1: and we're still growing. <laughs> wow. It's a good story.
0: It's a great story. But like I said, you know, having that, you know, the power of my investors behind me and then also that feeling of, I want to make them proud. Like I want to be successful. I want to, I felt so proud paying them back and just being like, yep, yeah, we're 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 great now. And then in between all of that, so what, what managed to help me along was one of my biggest customers, one of our biggest customers, Chemist Warehouse, I pitched my idea. So we'd already pitched our brand to them years prior and they didn't take it, but I pitched it to them. And when they saw all the new packaging and branding, they took our insole. So, that was a huge defining moment in our company because getting our insult into the amazing, you know, hands of Chemist Warehouse was just bringing our product to the masses and that's when the magic really started to happen.
1: How do you get a meeting with a buyer from Chemist Warehouse, which is the biggest pharmacy chain in Australia?
0: Yeah. It's tricky.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Was there, did you did you send them some kind of wow box or did you have a referral in or?
0: No, I'm, I'm fortunate with Chemist Warehouse that they're actually very, they're amazing, they're buyers. They're very good at contacting people. So I just rang and left a message and one of the buyers called me back. Oh, I love um, it. Good on And them. that was it. But, you know, I had to persist with that. So I had to ring back three months later and, and I've spent years, well, our whole business has spent years traveling around to pharmacy conferences. So I know all the buyers in all the places, but it is still a challenge sometimes getting ranged. And this is what brands come up against all the time. You have this great product, people are interested in you, but they won't necessarily put it in straight away. So you've got to keep working at those leads.
1: And and working at those leads, what does that mean? How do you, where's the line between working at Leeds and becoming a pain in the ass?
0: Absolutely. You're really right with that. So for me, it's all about building good, strong relationships. And that's where I've been with all my buyers, not hard selling, building the relationship. So they know me, they know what I stand for. They know what our company stands for. You know, our our customers are our biggest asset.
1: So is that about, let's say you've got a a buyer from a significant um, retailer on the hook. They haven't committed to you yet you make contact with them. And then instead of just following up and going, oh, hi, it's Rachel here. Just wondering if you've made a decision. Do you uh, do you feed them information as it comes to hand? Do you do a research study and say, hey, we've just discovered this? Or do you have some news, which is we've just launching a whole new range of, you know, shoelaces or something, whatever it is. And, you know, we'd like to be, we'd love you to be the exclusive distributor. Is that what you do when yeah, you go so to them with interesting stuff? I'll go to
0: a presentation and I'll pitch something. So we'll work on that back and forth. And then and if they give me a time frame, like reach out again in three months or six months, I'll categorize all of that and make sure I follow them up. But in between that, if something happens, so if I go on a TV show, if I, you know, win, win an award that's relevant to them, or if I develop a product that's irrelevant, I'll keep them posted. I'll, you know, here, just thought you might find this interesting, like how's everything going and, and just keep, it's just that human connection of people actually talking to people. And I think it's so important. They're not just a buyer at the end of the day. They're someone that you're building a long-lasting relationship with.
1: On that human connection, Rachel, um, as a podiatrist, you have patients come into the clinic, you see them, they feed back to you, they tell you how you're going, you keep track. It's really easy to know what they're thinking and feeling. As a product manufacturer, how do you stay in touch with what your customers are thinking because you don't see them?
0: hundred percent. Good question. Um, we, we have a review system on our website. Um, so, we encourage our customers to leave reviews and anything that's negative or whatever, we follow up straight away. So, we re- we reach out to the customer, we address any of their concerns. Our biggest focus, and that's one of the things that's really helped us grow, is just really becoming customer focused. You know, if a customer calls up with a query, we'll bend over backwards, whether it's giving them podiatry advice you know, if an order takes too long, we'll, we'll develop, develop, sorry, issue another free product to them. You know, like we just, it's all about, that customer experience so what we'll often do as well is just reach out and ask how someone's going um, if anyone has an issue with something often one of us will get on the phone and it's often it's been me over the time like if if a customer had an issue with the product they were using i'll pick it up and ring them i'm like hey it's rachel here and some of them are so excited they're like oh my god you've called me i seen you on shark tank or that's amazing the podiatrist <laughs> has called me and I'm, like, I'm just trying to understand more of your issues like how can i advise you better absolutely because that's what our brand is about
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. I don't think um, business owners recognise the power uh, enough of them being the person who makes contact with a customer. And you don't have to, you know, I mean, if you're a big business, it's pretty hard to contact every customer, but it's a lovely thing to do. And even just doing it every now and then, the word gets out that, hey, you know, I just had the owner of such and such give me a buzz. Um, November 2020, middle of, well, we're not in the middle of COVID. We're impacted by COVID. Where is the business at right now? Give us a sense of size or scale.
0: okay. So we've grown like since 2017, we've pretty much grown 200% year on year. You know, we're heading towards firmly into the multi-million-dollar revenue now. As you know, we started at eighty thousand a year. Yeah. You know, so for us, like, we're really excited about that. You know, we had huge growth plans this year, but like every other business, we've had to pivot. So, you know, we had plans of going to America this year. So, we had some great opportunities with some of the buyers over there. We've been working with them, and we were looking at a launch this year. And you know, when COVID hit, we had to you know bring that right back and went now is not the time um let's just focus on what's most important to us our customers in australia you know developing more products so that's really been our focus this year but we've still managed to grow we've got more products into chemist warehouse we've got more pharmacies interested we've just filmed our um, tv commercial for channel 10 which is super super exciting and very different to what we've ever done before
1: Well, let's talk about that. Funnily enough, only last week I had uh, Travis Osborne from Mobile Tire Shop, who is also a past Shark Tank uh, contestant or whatever you would call it, Um, and he too has just launched a TV commercial.
0: Wow. Now,
1: you know, it seems so old school talking TV, but he's had immense success from it. Why have you gone down the path of TV and have you? Did you? Is it been on air yet?
0: No, it's just started today, actually. Oh wow!
1: Why'd you go down that path?
0: Look, we've tried lots of different marketing um, over the years, and it's really interesting trying to find something that resonates with foot care because let's be real, right? It's not exciting. It's not one of these beauty brands on Instagram, so we've had to really try and carve out a path for people where we can make our brand exciting and you know, after trying radio, trying different aspects of TV that didn't quite work. I did a deal with Channel 10 at the time that we went into Chemist Warehouse and we developed our first TV commercial and we put it on air and we just thought, we'll give it a go. And it worked incredibly well and it didn't work with everyone. So, we've tried it on Channel 7 and Channel 9, different things. We haven't had any success there. So, the deal that we had with Channel 10 and the demographic that we're watching, it was very impactful.
1: I've seen you on Channel 10. Is this a TV commercial or is this an infomercial that you did on Studio 10 or whatever it is?
0: We did an infomercial on, on the morning show on Channel 7. Yeah. That was a great TV experience and it was great to actually get that messaging out, but it didn't resonate with our audience in the way that we would have hoped. So you've got to try these things, right? You just you just don't know. So we tried that and we thought, you know, if that's really great, we'll keep going down that avenue but we just couldn't compare to the commercials at that point so we kept running with them so we ran that commercial for three years um, and every time our commercial was heavy online the traffic was insane on our website and it really helped drive sales through chemist warehouse as well so we decided with the whole rebrand this year of changing our name and and we've redone our packaging again we came up with a new commercial and we really wanted something modern and fun that captured people's attention and was not like a technical advert
1: so you got the cast of Happy Feet uh, at a cost of a million dollars
0: per person, <laughs> <laughs> per penguin. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that, that, would have been, that would have been incredible. <laughs> Can you describe the ad? Yeah, so the ad is all about having fun through movement and how when we move our body, we feel better, right? So the more we move, the better we feel, the better we feel, the more we move. But if we're not feeling good under our feet, how can we move? I mean, we can't walk, we can't dance, we can't jump, we can't do anything that we want, let alone dance. So
1: I can't dance anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah.
0: <laughs> if you were in our commercial, you would have been dancing, Tim. I love if, it. You just couldn't help the vibe okay. of the day because we literally had probably 30 people working on this commercial and we had about Twelve or thirteen talent, and everyone was dancing.
1: So, so you struck a deal. Uh, you've struck a deal with the Ten Network. Have, have they been your production house as well, or did you get an agency to?
0: No, and um, we got an agency to do it, and we took complete control of this ourselves. So, um, I actually worked with a company called Trilogy in Perth, and they were amazing. From the idea conception, the directors, the producers, everything was so easily done. So the only problem I had was they came up with so Ah, many ideas that I just want to actually create even more commercials right now.
1: (laughs) Oh, well, the proof will be in the pudding. It launches today. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Uh, I will be touching base with you and uh, getting a bit of an update four weeks in, I think, just before we put this to air. Tell me, um, we're talking about marketing. So you're doing TV. How important is point of sale for your business?
0: It is very important, um, particularly in a pharmacy setting. And it's something that it needs to be front and centre. People need to see it and they need to be attracted to it. So when we redid our branding recently, we went for very light and bright colours. And we need to have things like counter units. So when it comes into pharmacy, we need to have quite bright counter units on the counter so people can be drawn to the products. We need to be really mindful of how the products are displayed. So what we've found in a lot of our other stores, if they only stock one of our products, it doesn't sell as well compared to people who have the whole range.
1: Yeah, okay. Okay. Celebrity endorsement?
0: We've tried a few. Um, we have done a little bit of influencer marketing. Look, in my opinion, it, it's worked okay, but it hasn't been like some other brands that have literally built their business from it. It's helped a little bit, but I think.
1: Well, it's not visual. Your yeah. stuff is hidden. I had the uh, I had Adam Adam Linforth of who's the founder of Budgie Smuggler on a few weeks ago. Whereas his brand is very much, dare I say, in your face. But you know, he's got all the NRL teams wearing them, and if a guy gets decked on the Amazing. field, there's the yeah. Budgie Smuggler. You know, you, whereas yours yours is hidden.
0: It is hidden. It's very hidden. So it's hard. Like we even had Arsenal. So Arsenal, the football team. Really? Yeah. We had um, some of the- play- How? So one of the podiatrists reached out to us and said, we want to use some of your products. So we sent them over. They're trialing them out. We're getting some good feedback. But you know what I mean? No one knows that. You can't see- and that's exactly what you're
1: talking about. Yeah, no player's going to stand there going, oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just loving my sink sinkholes at the moment. they just, you know, I've changed my life.
0: It's, it's really tricky. So that's why we've had to be very creative with our marketing.
1: That said, having Arsenal wear your product and being able to say that, pretty compelling kind of proposition. Can you do that?
0: They were wearing them for about 12 months every period of time, but it's very much like you send the products, they wear them, they give you feedback, but getting to that next stage, again, it's, it's a lot of money and then you've got to get involved in relationships like that. So I have struggled as in, not struggled, but to build the, to get to that point where we're like, yep, yeah, we're ready to now sponsor a team. Like that that's, will be something that's on our horizon, but we're just not there yet.
1: Yeah. Okay. I notice on your website, Rachel, you have a competitions tag. Is something, yes. is competitions something you run frequently?
0: Yeah, we do. We um we run a lot of different, especially if we've got influencers on board. So if an influencer runs a campaign, we'll do promotions. We give a lot of stuff away between a lot of our products. We'll give things away, and then we'll also give away. We used to do lots of gift vouchers and sort of promote different brands. But we think competitions are great because it gets it just gets people more excited and interested in your brand.
1: It feels like your business is booming. It's had a great last the last couple of years since 2017. Sounds like there was a real turning point for you it feels like like you are just scratching the surface. Uh, I get that sense from you. H- how do you sort of manage that? How do you keep a lid on it and not sort of be bursting and try to implement everything immediately?
0: Absolutely. It's very much about risk analysis. So I have to consistently, you know, remind myself, what are our focuses right now? Where are we heading in next month and COVID like everyone has thrown a massive spanner in the works so instead of goal setting three monthly six monthly we're now down to monthly like it's constantly reviewing everything. How's this going? How's that going? Where are we heading next? But I think having mentors on board and sounding ideas off them like Andrew has been great for me because, you know, it just keeps everything focused. What's our core business? What are we, you know, I mean, as you were about to talk about sanitizers, you know, we also took a dive into something unknown this year. Yeah, what's that about?
1: <laughs> I've, I've pulled that up on my screen. It's like completely, Is you've got, you got all these different antibacterial hand sanitizers and mask sanitizers and wipes. That seems um, off-brand.
0: It does seem off-brand, but it's nothing to do with Sink's body. So it's its own brand on its own. It's called Pure Sanity Co., at the moment, you know, we've got an inclusion on the website, but it's actually a completely separate brand. And the reason why we did it was, you know, we have all the contacts, we have all the manufacturing abilities to pull these things together quite quickly. And a lot of people in Australia were struggling. So we saw it as a not, not just an opportunity, but also a chance to bring more affordable products into the country because so many products were getting, you know, people were paying a fortune. Myself, I was going to the shop and paying a fortune for sanitizer and I I couldn't even buy it. And so we, we had some opportunities. We had buyers waiting. And unfortunately, it was a timing game. So, you know, by the time it came in, I think we missed the boat by a few weeks. I mean, we do have a lot of stores that have it. But Australia, we also have a lot of restrictions on advertising here. I'm not sure if you're aware, but we're not allowed to advertise sanitizer. We can't advertise it on social media and then we can't export wow, it. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, we can't export it either. So I actually have buyers in America wanting to buy it from me and I can't actually export it. And I've tried to apply for a leniency through the government. We're not allowed. So there's lots of restrictions.
1: So Pure Sanity Co. is a, a new brand and business that you've created off the back of COVID.
0: Yes, it's a new brand and business.
1: It's hanging off syncsbody.com.au at the moment. It will have its own website and presence?
0: Absolutely. So because we can't advertise, we can't drive traffic, there's a lot of things and restrictions we have right now, but we have a lot of buyers interest, interested.
1: No doubt. So it's, it's opportunistic and there is a market there, no doubt. Is it not a distraction?
0: Look, it could have been at that time, but the the amount of time that it took to develop, produce, get it into flow and have it there, it it was done for me. It was easy. Yep. I knew how to pull it together and it was really fun. It's very, I don't know if you've seen the packaging, but it's very cute and fun. Yeah, I love it. I'm looking at it now. It's all about travelling. So it's designed to be more there in the long term, not just these generic little sanitizers, but to keep people safe and while they're travelling, on the plane, wherever they're going. But yeah, it'll certainly be completely separate from Sink's body.
1: Love it. Rachel, is there something you would love to try in your business that just scares the pants off you?
0: Yes. There's lots of things, <laughs> but you know, I find scary is a good thing. It means I'm onto something. So my biggest thing after last year was I wanted to move to America. Like I was like, I want to, you know, we had all these great opportunities over there. I want to move over there. I want to expand the brand over there. And that's definitely in our future. We are only scratching the surface. Like there's so many more things we want to do to shake up the foot care industry. I mean, it's been stale for really long. So, A lot of the big brands have been there for a long time and there hasn't been that younger voice of getting in there to the younger people about prevention. Like it's all about preventing a lot of these issues, you know, wearing insoles when you're young. If you're running, make sure you put the right toe sleeves over so you don't get rubbing on your toes, like all these little tips that will help prevent a lot of these longer-term issues as people grow up.
1: You're absolutely right. The light just came on for me. Sometimes it takes a little while. Uh, and you I got you on for a reason, but it is. It is really absolutely. <laughs> from an outsider, it is an industry that is it just has never been given a shake up. It's no. it's a little bit stayed. There are some brands that have kind of, you know, um, profited off the fact that they are the leaders in that in that market and never been challenged. It's not as if there's a huge amount of interest. We sort of go to that your your category when there's a problem. You're you're much more about prevention. But yeah, you do you have a great opportunity to stand out and to sort of funk it up. F U N K. Um <laughs>
0: No, it's so true. And we, in America, especially, they were so wowed by everything. They're like, "This we, we've had the same products for so long. This is different. It's new. It's innovative. Like, they loved it. So, yeah, we're going global. I have big plans for the company.
1: <laughs> Love it. Well, I won't hold you up, Rachel. Awesome story. I knew it would be. I heard about you uh, a few years ago through Andrew. We met briefly in Perth that time and I've since then wanted to get you on the on the program. So, I'm so glad I have and it's a great story and um, all the best.
0: Thank you. And I wanted to mention, I've just been part of a collaboration in a new book um, called Back Yourself with 27 oh, yeah. other business women in Australia. And it's all about how to start a business. So for anyone out there who's wanting to you know, have an idea and not know where to start, it's a great book because there's so much, you know, it's full of tips and advice and, you know, even learnings from all of us and the mistakes we've made along the way.
1: Awesome. And you must have written that between, what, 2am and 4am one morning?
0: <laughs> Definitely. No.
1: <laughs> Rachel Ferguson, uh, SYNXBODY, SYNXBODY.com.au is where you'll find all of Rachel's foot. Uh, products, as well as her range called Pure Sanity Co. uh, Antibacterial sanitising type products. And uh, I, I wish you all the luck in the future, Rachel.
0: Thank you so much, Tim. I've had so much fun.
1: Oh, I do love it when a guest has fun on my podcast. Most do, I think. Most, if not all, actually, even get business from appearing on this podcast. Let me digress for a minute. Recent guest, Chocolate Johnny Capos, sent me a text only yesterday saying this, I've got to tell you, Timbo, I've been on quite a few podcasts over the last six years and the reaction I've had from yours has been absolutely amazing. It far exceeds all others. I've had customers come in to my shop and say... Oh my God, OMG. I just heard you on Timbo's podcast. So, mate, that's a credit to you for doing all that hard work. Oh, thank you, Johnny. Now, right, let's get back to Rachel. Enough about me. Let's talk about Rachel and all things attention grabbing from that chat with her. Attention grabber number one I love her idea of studying successful people. I do this to hone my interviewing skills. I'm not sure it's working but i do listen to other great interviewers from around the world and see what i can learn from them who are you looking to to learn from interesting question one to ponder attention grabber number 2 i love rachel's idea about dropping everything on and focusing on the one most important thing that's going to propel you and your beautiful business forward clever simple attention grabber number 3 I love Rachel's philosophy around being available to your customers. As a business owner, I hope you are reaching out to your customers. I hope you're taking calls from your customers, responding to emails, social media, messages, all that kind of stuff. Do it. Be connected. That's what caught my attention. I'd love to know what grabbed yours. Call the Small Business Big Marketing Hotline. Now, just put it on pause and give me a buzz. Tell me what you picked up from that chat with Rachel. 0480 You've got up to five minutes to leave me a message.
2: Come on down. It's Timbo's Monster Prize Draw.
1: It is time to reward another motivated listener. For taking some serious marketing action as a result of listening to this podcast. And today's winner is online will creator Zach Woodward of willpro.com.au. Now, I really love what Zach has to say. He says, Hey, Timbo, I stumbled across your podcast six months ago during lockdown. Since then, as this, I've listened to over 200 episodes. That is awesome. My wife and I launched WillPro in March, a website where people can can complete an easy to use online form, which is then compiled into a properly formatted will in two business days. This is clever. Our target audience is millennials who are often put off doing their wills because of the prices, the uncomfortable nature of the topic, uncertainty, and general fear of law firms. Now, Just by the way, what Zach has demonstrated there is a very clear understanding of what makes his prospects tick. He's articulated it in such simple terms. He goes on to say, in episodes 438 and 439, SEO expert Dana DiTamazo spoke about creating useful content. I particularly enjoyed her quote, if your site is boring, then no one is going to want to buy your stuff couldn't agree more after listening to this i have started writing weekly blogs about the common questions that people in particular our millennial audience have about wills these blogs have been shared onto other people's websites and even led to not one but two separate interviews by journalists for published articles that's how it works It's simple. Create helpful content. It will get noticed. Zach goes on to say, we have seen an increase in website traffic and ultimately an increase in sales because of this strategy. Thank you for producing the podcast, Timbo. It's incredibly useful resource that has taught us so much about marketing and business. Also, in light of your most recent episode, we've just enrolled in the Hawk Academy SEO course and are super excited. Kind regards, Zach Woodward, willpro.com.au. Zach... Well done, buddy. I love a good implementer. As a result, you win a full range of Lyers non alcoholic spirits valued at over 500 bucks. Vouchers to use at Sendall to send some stuff and at Tradies to buy some undies or some workwear, whatever you want to buy. Promotion on the show, backlink in the show notes. Everyone else, Send me an email, tim at timreid.com.au, telling me what idea you've implemented from this show and what impact it's had on your business. Keep it nice and simple like Zach did. If I read it out on air, you win. Next week, we catch up with third-generation business owner, Pippa Hellas, who owns and runs the globally famous Alabache skincare brand. Great story. That business started in 1936 with her great aunt in paris don't you love where businesses come from if you'd like to keep the conversation going join the small business big marketing tribe on facebook if you want to read about marketing buy my book the boomerang effect over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com and if you've got something to tell me call the small business big marketing hotline on 0480015150 you've got up to 5 minutes to leave me a message put that in your phone so you can just kind of action it. Oh, I've got to call Timbo and leave him a message any time, day or night. If you're loving the Small Business Big Marketing podcast, you'll find 529 more episodes on the Podcast One Australia app and has been the case for the past 11 years. The podcast is presented by me, Timbo Reed, and caressed and loved and nurtured by the team over at Podcast One Australia. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. May your marketing be the best marketing... Bye for now.